You know, we're in this year, 2020, want to talk about having 2020 vision. Uh, we want to, to come and see what God can do, and we know God can do a lot. God can take what is dead and bring it to life. He can take what is broken, He can heal it. He can take what is dirty and make it clean. He can take sinners and turn us into saints. And that is the story of many in this place today and, and many who gather here week after week. And we know that because of the hope we have in Jesus, we have a responsibility to God to, to make an impact, to have an impact. And so we, we, we want to constantly remind ourselves and pray toward uh, impacting our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. And we know that as this impact happens, that people's lives are going to be changed. There's going to be a life change. And the, the series we're finishing today is, is talking about this life change that happens by those who've been impacted with the hope of Jesus. We began the first week and we talked about how it, it, it's based on grace. It happens because of grace. Grace is the, is the thing from God that is the gift that makes the life change happen. But as we talked about last week, it's through faith. Faith is the instrument. Faith is the vehicle. And everyone has faith. The Bible speaks of two different kinds of faith. There's saving faith and idolatry. And hopefully you were able to really think through areas where you're tempted to, to pursue idols instead of the, the one true God who loves you and, and who desires the very best for you. Today we want to we continue on in Ephesians chapter 2, and we want to take very seriously what happens as this life change happens and what it is we're supposed to do. We're supposed to continue to grow in grace and faith. As a matter of fact, we, we are commanded this in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is not a suggestion. This is what happens for disciples of Jesus. We continue to grow in our knowledge of Jesus and this grace, and it's all revealed in the Scripture. And we're able to grow most effectively in the community of believers as, as others speak truth into our lives according to God's Word. And when that happens in a church, faith grows, and, and that faith is commended. The, the church at Thessalonica, Paul was writing to them in 2 Thessalonians. Look what he said here in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right. Why? Because your faith is growing abundantly. This is what is to be said of all God's children. We are to be growing in grace. Our faith is to be growing abundantly. And, and as God makes that a reality in our lives, as this life change happens, there will be continued growth. Friends, so long as we are alive on this planet, we are meant to be growing continually growing in Christ, in His grace and in this faith. In our text today, it reveals one of God's designs for how that happens. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go now to the text we've been in for the last three weeks, Ephesians chapter 2. We started in verse 8. Last week we were in verse 8 and 9. Today we're finally going to get to verse 10. Uh, but Leah's going to read all three, so let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Leah, if you will come, and if you will please read for us Ephesians chapter 2 and uh, verses 8 through 10. Are you ready? Go for it. And it was by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. 
not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Leah. Well done. If you would, go ahead. Go ahead and be, be seated. Understand that God has determined to tell his story through our story. This, this is God's will. And as we, as we grow in this grace and faith, this story is going to become more obvious, not only to us, but to those who are around us. Now, God doesn't need us, but for his glory and for his purpose, he's, he's decided that he's going to tell his story through our story. So what is God's story? Well, God's story is the Bible. We know that the, the Bible is not a collection of stories or sayings. It's a single story in four parts. Let's say what those four parts are together. Are you ready? That's right. So when we think about the Bible, we're talking about a single story. Creation, God made all things in harmony, but the world is no longer in harmony. The world is broken. Why? Well, because we have sinned and now we're living under the curse of the fall. God didn't abandon us there. Instead, God chose to rescue us by himself coming, as we celebrated with the Lord's Supper, to redeem us. And one day he's going to restore all things. This is God's story. And God's story wants to reveal his story through our story. And we can understand our story as we understand something we call three circles. Now, last week I mentioned three circles and I saw someone roll their eyes. And so I just wanted to remind everyone that this is sort of an important thing, and I know it can get burdensome, tiresome at sometimes, but I also want to make sure that we're, we're not just kind of taking it for granted. And so we're going to have a pop quiz this morning. So the, the first circle, what's in that first circle? God's design. Look, you guys have had coffee. Y'all are doing much better than the other two. That's right. God's design. God created all things to be in harmony. But that's not the way things are now, are there? What's in the second circle? Brokenness. Now, what causes brokenness? Sin. That's right. God's design was harmony, wholeness. But because of our sin, now we live in a world of brokenness where our relationship with God is broken. We're broken within. We know it. We feel it. We try to hide it, but we can't because it keeps coming out and, and causing brokenness in our other relationships. Now, God didn't abandon us to stay in that brokenness, did, us, did he? No, instead, he provided something. What's in that third circle? The gospel, that's exactly right. Now, in order to experience the gospel, what do we have to do? We have to blank and blank. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> what do we have to do? Repent and believe. That's correct. Good job. Repent and believe the gospel, which will enable us to blank and blank God's design. Y'all are speaking in tongues again. Y'all got to come on. We'll have to get an interpreter in here, and I'm not in the mood. So we have to what? It starts with an R. The first one is? That's right. And what's the next one? Pursue. Thank you. Good. Maybe it's my hearing. All right. Throw it up here for all you guys. All right. I say all that to say, some of you, your story is right here. You've sinned and you're dealing with brokenness, and that's where you're stuck. And you're trying to figure out life, you're trying to get there, it's not happening for you. 
And it seems like the harder you try and the more deep you go into this, the more there's brokenness. And, and that there's some of you, I know what you're doing is you've decided, okay, I'm done. I'm done with people because this hurts. And you're trying to kind of choke things off and just trying to be pleasant, but not get real, you know, engaged in life because it's just too painful. I'm going to tell you, it's no way to live. What God wants for us all is to come out of brokenness and experience the good news so that we can pursue and recover God's design. Now, God wants to tell his story through our story, through our redemption. So guys, put up this other one. So how does this look? How does this work? Well, here's what we know. God's design, creation, everything was in harmony. But because of sin and brokenness, and we can, all who are saved can give testimony to what our life was like before Jesus Christ. But we can also tell about the rescue that we experienced as we repented and believed the gospel. And now how we're seeking to recover and pursue God's design. And we know that ultimately we're going to experience God's design when Jesus returns. But even right now, as we grow in grace and faith, we're going to experience more and more of God's design, what God intended us to be. And that's the story. That's our story. God intends to tell His story through our story. Now, each one of us has a personal story, and that story has already been written, but it's yet to be lived. This is one of the great mysteries of God. This is one of the great mysteries of life, that our story is already written, even though it has not yet been completely lived. Psalm 139, Psalm 139, verse 16 says this, your eyes saw my unformed substance. The psalmist is speaking to God. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. There was none. Before we lived it a single day, God knew every day we would ever live. God knows our story, even though we have yet to live it. Now understand, every single one of us is responsible for our story, for our life. God already knows our story, but we're responsible for how we live our story, how we live our lives, and we will give an account to God for that. Hebrews 9.27, look what it says. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Every single one of us will be judged by God. Any who are covered in Christ, we will be judged innocent because we have received the grace of God. Jesus has already paid our punishment, which is death. We have been freed from that, from that debt, and now we're free to walk in peace with God. And we, our judgment will be because of Jesus Christ, we now stand innocent before God. Without Jesus Christ, we're condemned. John 3, 17 and 18, Jesus says quite clearly, if you have believed, then you are not condemned. Anyone who, who has not believed was condemned already because you, not, you have not believed in His only Son, Jesus Christ. It is Christ alone that sets us free. And, and in that freedom, we are to live, and we will have to give an account to God for how we live. Now God has already written our story, but we are responsible for how we live that story. It's very important to understand that, that, that what that is, what God has written, and what we are to live is our destiny. Four times in the New Testament, God uses the word destiny, predestined. Please understand, there is a significant difference between fate and destiny. What is fate? Fate is an outcome that happens no matter what we do. This is what the Greeks taught. 
They said, oh, it's just up to the fates. It doesn't matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, no matter what, 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 what goes on, what's, what's going to happen is going to happen. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. That is not a New Testament teaching. That's not a biblical teaching. It's not an Old Testament teaching. It's not a biblical teaching. The Bible teaches destiny. What's destiny? It's an outcome that happens as we seek it out and cause it to happen. It's an outcome. God's already written the story. As we find and fulfill our destiny, we live out our story that God has designed for us. There's where the freedom is. There's where the life is. It's understanding that we who believe are under God's providential care. We're not on our own. God is with us. He is Emmanuel. And He knows what He's doing. And He knows what's best. Throughout my life, there have been some wonderful days. And there have been some awful days. And in every chapter, every season, every sequence, every step, God has been faithful to me. And I have found certain scriptures that have helped me hold on to the providential care of God that I want to share with you this morning. And I want you to be mindful to hold on to all the days of your life. You may be in a dark chapter right now. You may be in a great, wonderful chapter of your life right now. No matter what chapter you're in, know that God knows the outcome. God has a plan. I love Genesis chapter 50, Genesis 50 verse 20. This is, this is Joseph having been sold into captivity by his brothers, having lived on his own in Egypt and jailed and had to suffer great loss. The dream he had has come true, and now he could enact vengeance on his brothers if he wanted, but that's not what he does. Why? Because he understands who's in charge of his story, and he lived by faith. So listen to what Joseph said to his brothers, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph knew that God had the story. God knew what he was doing. And now he came to that point in his life where he could say, I know what you were trying to do was to harm me, but God had the plan. I love Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, God has the plan. He's working it all for good because He's a good God. He, he knows what He's doing. He's got, the, he's got the plan. He's got a purpose for your life. Acts, uh, Acts 13, 36. Acts 13, 36 encourages my heart so much. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers. He died. Isn't that a great euphemism? He fell asleep. You know, if the Lord tarries, one day all of us are going to fall asleep. That is, we're going to die. And, and for those of us who believe, that's the best day ever. You know why? Because this world's not our home. And we get to enter into that rest, that peace. But even while we suffer through this broken world, here's our good news. Here's our strength. Here is the thing that, we, that gives us energy. At least I hope it does. Is that, is that like David, we can serve the purpose of God. God has the purpose. He knows what He wants to do with your life. What He wants to do is best. What He wants to do is to give you hope and a future. That's what the Jeremiah 29, 11 is all about. For I know the plans I have for you. This is God speaking to His people, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. This is our God. This is how good He is. 
He, he knows what he's doing. He's got the perfect plan. We're to pursue him and in so doing, find and fulfill our destiny. And we do that as we trust in how he's made us and what he's made us for. And that's what our text tells us today. Look at our text, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is one of my favorites. This is one that gives me great hope in times of trial and success. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Friends, please understand this. I know this is not what you're going to read in a lot of so-called best-selling Christian books, but this is truth. Two things. God is not changing His plan to work for us. God's plan is set. God's not changing His plan for us because it's not about us. It's about Him. It's about His will. It's about His purpose. It's about something that's bigger than us. Here's the gospel. Here's the good news. God is changing us to work for His plan. It's not about us. It's about Him. It's about us being able to join in what He's already written, what He's already determined. It's our destiny that we get to live out under His providential sovereign care. Now here's what we know, for all of us who believe, Jesus Christ, He is our hope, He is our peace, He is our love, He is our life, He is our everything. And because of that, we know His general will. God has a specific will and a general will for all of His children. His general will is what He wants to do with and through all of us. There are, there are, there are so many things, I want to give you four key ones. The first one is that He wants us to make disciples. So Matthew 28, 19 through 20, we know that we are to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to observe all that, that, that God has commanded, realizing He is with us always to the very end of the age. We are to make disciples, and our lifestyle is to show the difference that, that God makes when you are a disciple. So 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. God's will is that we make disciples, and that we make disciples of Jesus Christ out of a life that has been set apart and made holy, not only by grace, but by practice. We are to actually live holy lives because our daddy, our father, who has given us new life is holy. So we are to be holy. We are to make disciples with holy lives with love. Matthew 22. Matthew 22, beginning in verse 37. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are to make disciples. We are to live holy lives, and we are to love. We are to love God. We are to love other people. We are to show them God's love. We are to remind them that they are loved. We are to be loving at all times. And at all times, we are never to lean on our own understanding. Proverbs chapter 3, this is the fourth one. Proverbs chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make, uh, he will make straight your paths. Friends, please hear me on this. Never define God in terms of your circumstance. 
Define God according to his word. Your circumstances are going to change. Don't ever look at what's happening to your life. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't think, uh, what, what can I think about God? What does my current life tell me about God? My current circumstances, what does that tell me about God? Don't let that be your understanding. Don't lean on yourself on that because you're going to be deceived. No. Look to the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? The Word of God says that God loves you, that God is loving, that God is all-powerful, that God has the perfect plan, that we can always trust Him. So friends, if you are going through one of the darkest chapters of your life, know that God is with you and He has a plan. If you are experiencing a great victory and delight and, and it's a happy time, know that God has a plan for this and it's bigger than just you. There's more to it. As you're living out God's authority in your life, you will come to understand God's specific will. God has a general will, we just talked about that, but He also has a very specific will for your life and for mine. And that's what we see in, in, in verse 10. So let's look and learn how it is we can accomplish God's specific will, how we can find and fulfill our destiny, how we can live out the story that was written for us so that when we stand before God, we hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now I'm going to give you a statement, and the statement builds, and it's all based on verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. So take note, every disciple changed by the gospel is designed by God. It says, for we are His workmanship. He designed you. He made you a certain way. Psalm 139 verse 13, for you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Every life in a, in a mother's womb is sacred and holy, and it must be protected. God knows us in that mother's womb, and He puts us together exactly the way He wants us to be formed. He forms us. He makes us just the way He wants us to be. You know, there was this time when God gave Moses this job, and Moses was like, I can't do the job. I can't do what you want me to. I, don't, I can't speak right. I don't look right. I don't got all the stuff that you're supposed to. And God gets so mad. And look what He says to him in Exodus 4, verse 11. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? God said, I made you the way I wanted you, big boy. God makes each one of us. He designs us exactly. We are His workmanship. And that is true physically. It's also true spiritually. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 4. Look what Paul says about those who are saved by grace through faith in Christ. He says this, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Each one of us has different gifts, spiritual gifts. When we're born again, the Spirit of God gives us new life. We repent and believe. We become children of the living God, and He endows us with spiritual gifts. So we're made physically the way God wants us to be, and then we're blessed spiritually with gifts that God wants us to use. Now friends, in any given chapter of your life, you don't know fully all that God is doing. He may be having you in a chapter of preparation. He may have you in a chapter doing. Let's think about the life of Moses. Moses, from, from birth to 40, he's basically in, in, in Pharaoh's, uh, you know, palace, right? And he's being trained to be a great military leader. Now, how'd that job end? 
he was fired. He broke policy. He can't kill people, right? So he gets fired, and what does he do? The next 40 years, he's in the middle of nowhere taking care of Jethro's sheep. Now, if you would have asked him at 55, Moses, what's the purpose of your life? To sit in the middle of nowhere and take care of stinking sheep. God wasn't done. God wasn't done. That's why he showed up at the burning bush and said, Moses, go lead my people. Moses like, God's like, I put you in Pharaoh's palace to train you to be a leader and a commander. I put you with these sheep to teach you how to care for hard-headed people. Now go do it. Friends, in any given chapter, you can never be sure of what God's doing, but you can know that God is at work that he has a plan for what you're doing. And you're not always gonna like it. I mean, think about the prophet Isaiah. Of all the, of all the people in the Bible, we, we should feel sorry most for Isaiah. I mean, here's a guy who has this Isaiah 6, y'all know this one, this great spiritual experience. He sees God and he's fired up and he gets saved. And God's like, okay, who wants to go be my spokesperson? He's like, me, me, yes. And God's like, all right, Isaiah, you're in. You're gonna preach and nobody's gonna ever listen to you. No one's ever going to like you, and no one's going to do anything you say. And you're going to write this big honking long book in the middle of the Old Testament that very few people will ever read. Am I right? I mean, there's not a whole lot of people that quote much out of Isaiah 11 through 18. It's like, who are even those countries, right? God has a plan for Isaiah. If nothing else, in Acts chapter 8, when the Ethiopian eunuch is reading the prophet Isaiah, and Philip explains it to him so he gets saved. God had a plan for even Isaiah. He had a plan for those, those, those Roman soldiers who came across John the Baptist, the Roman soldiers who came across Jesus Christ. He didn't say, hey, stop being Roman soldiers. He said, hey, be good Roman soldiers. You think about the, 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 the one that had the legion of demons. Remember, he wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus said, I didn't call you to be my disciple, to follow me. You go home, get a job, tell everybody what I did for you. See, he made, he formed every person the way he wanted them to be. He gifted them according to the gifts he had for them. None of us gets to choose our parents. No one chose the country they were born in. No one chose their personality, their DNA. All of that was given by God. You are his workmanship. Now, you got to figure out what you're supposed to do. Let me give you three steps to discern what God's made you for. And this has served me so well over the years. First, make sure it is not prohibited by God in the Bible. What I mean by that, if you're good at stealing stuff, that's not God's will for your life, okay? You say, but I'm really good at it. No. I'm really good at cursing at people. No, no. That's not God's will for your life. If it's prohibited, don't do it. That removes a lot of options, okay? Second, make sure the people who know you best can see you doing it. Mom and dad, tell your kids what they do well. Friends. Tell your friends the truth. When they're doing something they're terrible at, you don't have to be mean about it, but just say, you're terrible at that. <laughs> and mom and dad, don't try to live through your kids. If you were an athlete and God gives you an artist, you're not going to ball games, you're going to art galleries. Get over it. Figure out what they like, figure out what they're good at, and encourage them in that. Figure it out. Third, make sure you invite God to stop you or enable you to proceed. This is where you have to ask very specific prayers. God, please let me get into this college. No. Okay, I'm not supposed to go to that college. 
Am I supposed to go to college at all? Well, did you apply to other colleges? Yes. Which ones can you go to? These? Did you pray about it? No. Pray about it. Looks like I'm going to this one. Great. No other colleges. I don't even want to go to college. Is there a job opportunity? Yeah. Good. Go do that. I asked her to go out. What'd she say? No. Did you pray about it? Yes. God said no. Move on. You pray specific prayers, and this is how you figure out God's will. Look, if you're just going to pray, oh, God bless me, you're never going to know if He's blessing you or not. Ask Him specifically, and He will guide you. He will say, look, this is, this is why I made you. You're my workmanship. Write it down. Every disciple changed by the gospel is designed by God to live out His mission. That is, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. And the greatest work that anyone can do is to serve as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God making His appeal through us, God telling His story through our story. As we understand God's story and God's plan for our life, we can more courageously, effectively clearly communicate the gospel of God, what He's doing in our life. Understand that we're all to make an impact. We're to impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. Now where do you do that? You do that where you spend the majority of your waking hours. Thomas Weekly is a member of our church, he's a professor, and he teaches at Western. He was invited to speak in Japan, and it was an open door that was supernatural, God-blessed. He had the opportunity to speak to a, uh, the man who invited him, actually, and interview him about his calling. This guy, we're going to watch the video, it's kind of hard to understand. But, but his message is real clear. He says he's not much of an academic. He's, he's speaking at Oxford between now and the end of March, so I think he's okay. <laughs> Look what he says about his life and his calling and what specifically God's called him to. Let's watch this together. Well, in America, we, we try to teach our professors you're a Christian first mm -hmm. and you happen to be a professor. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And that's what you have sure, been done so, here yeah, in, exactly, in Japan. Yeah. You're a Christian first mm -hmm. and you teach. Right. But, uh, yeah, you're... Because God has appointed me to work there. Yes. Not exactly. appointed me to teach the subject, you know. Yes, exactly. That's my philosophy. <laughs> so I'm not a uh, top-notch academic, uh, you know, scholar. But I don't mind, but I do my best, you know, academically. I do go to the conference six, mm -hmm. several times a year, but still more, more important is to preach the gospel. Yeah. Even in academic conference, I just, uh, that's where I start, the Dominus Illuminatio Mea. It's the beginning of my presentation. Also, you know, the last thing I say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. I talk about my academic field about 90% and then 10% I talk about those. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here is this academician. Here's what he understands. God called him to be a professor, but his job is to make disciples. Some of you are called to be a middle schooler right now. You're a better gospel presenter to middle schoolers than me. I freak middle schoolers out. <laughs> but if you're in middle school, you can tell other middle, if you are a teacher, you can tell other teachers. And your kids, if, if you're a business leader, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if, if you are whatever, wherever you are in your waking hours, God has put you there for a reason. And it ain't about you, it's bigger. 
it's better. And you get to share with, what, with others what God is doing. So write it down. Every disciple changed by the gospel is designed by God to live out his mission, look at this, within his plan, which God prepared beforehand. See, God has a reason for every season we go through. He's put us where he wants us. One of my favorite books of the Bible doesn't mention the name of God. It's the book of Esther. In this book, this girl gets her position because she's pretty. And, and her guardian says, look, we're all about to die. And don't just think because you're in the palace that you're necessarily going to live. Could it be that you're not there for something bigger? This is Esther chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. I love this. God doesn't need you. Doesn't need you. But he's asking you. He's calling you. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you are not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Who knows that you are not in the school you're in right now for such a time as this? Who knows that you're not the parent of these children for such a time as this? Who knows that you are not in your job for such a time as this? And friends, that's why you're there. God put you there. God planned for you to be there. And he planned for you to be there so that you could, you could be his ambassador so that you could speak for him. This is God's will for our life. Write it down. Every disciple changed by the gospel is designed by God to live out his mission within his plan every day, no matter what. He's done all this that we should walk in them. I would love to say that every, every moment of every day, you're gonna say to yourself, I love this. If you're going to have children, I promise you, you're not always going to love this. If you are children and you have parents, you're not always going to love being parented. You're not always going to love your job. You're always going to have trials. Just one more, just heads up. You live in a broken world with broken people. But here's the good news. God has a plan for your life. Now, if you're living that without Jesus Christ, you're on your own. You're in brokenness, and that's all you're going to have. Can I tell you, God can save you if you'll ask Him. If you have asked Him, know that He has a plan for you right now. And if you're sad or mad, you're frustrated, or things are going great, make sure you're right where God wants you to be doing exactly what he's told you to do. Trust him. Ask him to help you. Ask him to leverage all the opportunities and potential that you have for his purpose. And ask God to do miracles. Friends, ask God to do miracles. He's that kind of God. He can do it. Let's stand together. Father, you, you are awesome, and your plan is perfect, and your grace is, is so, so kind. Uh, thank you for faith, and, and thank you that you're changing our life. Lord, you've not hidden from us what you want us to do. Lord, we have ways of discerning. Lord, I pray for some today that they would get on their knees and ask you to take over their life so they can fulfill their destiny in Christ. Father, I pray for those who are your children that need help that as they ask you specifically right now that you would answer them.
And Lord, as a church family, as we look in our bulletins, as we look at the awakening prayer this week, we're praying for those who will one day uh, at this point say, Lord, Lord, and you would say, I don't know you. We're, we're praying for those who show up ge- ge- to a geographical location, but they've never been transformed by your love and power. And we're praying you'll save them. Lord, we need you to do this work. Hear us now as we come and pray. Come and pray.